Let's go. Let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. The Eric Schlein Podcast. All right, we have uh, Sarah Hawanski on. Sarah, what's up? Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. I'm just drinking some black tea and some yerba mate at the moment. Yum. I'm kind of like, I have both at the same time. Okay. So I have um, dandelion root tea and I have cucumber lemon water. This is my new motivational um, hydration bottle water. How's the motivational? It has um, times and oh. things on it, like, okay. you know, good morning you got for the, when you're supposed to be finished, the water amount of water. I'm yeah, really I, would, I, would, I would hate that, honestly. I would feel like yeah. pressure to like, well, it's six o'clock. It I have to have it at this level. Yeah. Yeah. It's pressure. You're like, like right now, hold on. I'm like, I'm, I'm low. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny. You asked me, um, I was telling you right before the show. Um, that I was, I had started that 75 hard program. You said you never heard of it. So basically it's, um, there's like, it's like a year long program. And, um, I didn't know it was a year when I started, otherwise I probably wouldn't have started. And the first part is called 75 hard. If you just Google it, like it's kind of this like viral thing now and it's for good reason. Like it, it's, it really works. Um, and it's called like a mental toughness, uh, program. And for me, it was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Like, whatever, I'll just try something. So basically, every day for 75 days straight, you have to eat a clean diet. It doesn't matter what it is, just whatever it is for you. No cheat meals, two 45-minute workouts a day. One of them has to be outdoors. And you have to so, – so the – yeah. Every and then, And one of them has to be outdoors. Wow. Um, and then you have to drink a gallon of water a day. So, like, I have a water bottle back that I, that I use. Um, so you could use that. And then there's, um, you have to just take a photo of yourself. You don't have to post it anywhere. Um, no alcohol. And then 10 pages of a book that has to be hard copy. Like you can't I'm going to do this. You know why? I'm already almost doing it. I'm going to do that. I'm already yeah. almost there. So then, and then you have to, but it can't be a Kindle or an audio book. It has to be hard, hard paperback. Yeah. And so it was interesting. Like I was all, I was mostly doing it like not every day, but the, the hard part is when you have to do it every day. And then the other thing is if you mess up, even though like, let's say you have 120, if you have, yeah, if you have 127 ounces of water instead of 128, you have to start from day one I want to and, do and it's a, and it's a three phase and it's a four part year long program that you, that you embark, but the requirements, you have to listen to the podcast about it first. You can't, okay. I'll send it to you after, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'm totally going to do it. So, Sweet. um, like your viewers obviously don't know me. Like my name is Sarah Hwanski. I'm the owner of white label consulting, but part of my life is development and coaching and growth. And what I've realized is I've gotten to the state where I literally grow myself so much that like, if I take a day off or like, God forbid, if I slack a little bit, I'm like super hard on myself that I'm like not growing exponentially. Like, so mm-hmm. I do find that like, I love growth. I think it's really good, but it's like, it's an addictive thing. Like it's, it's addictive. You get like really into it and it's hard to like stop growing. Well, then that could be the next space is to not have to be like pushed by it. Yeah. That's no, that's, that's, that's very. It's yeah. Well, you know, I, I actually, I, I will acknowledge you. I, I actually saw you live into that a bit because when I was sharing, I don't really talk about it on here, but like when I was talking to you about, you know, the program that I was leading the other week and you're like, well, you know, I don't want to just keep doing all these things. Like, you know, I want to like just chill for chill the fuck out for a bit, but like maybe talking a year from now, 
like the fact that you had the discipline to do that is actually really good because what you don't want to do is like people who just kind of go from thing to thing and you kind of miss life along the way. You know, we had a, you know, can't say names, but I had a, a woman in the program this past weekend and she was like really smart entrepreneur. Like you'd love her actually. She's like very into like empowering women in business and whatever, but like she clearly had this thing around like, well, I just need the next thing. And we had a whole conversation of like, you don't need the next thing. Like you don't need this to get to the next thing either. Um, and we had this whole thing about like, you know, improving her sales. And we did this whole work around her sales, which had nothing to do with her sales, you know, which is the funny thing, uh, mm-hmm. usually never does. But in her mind before we had that, like, I don't want to call it an intervention, but like that was a pretty intense conversation in her world. It was like, well, you know, once I'm done with this, I just need to do another, I just need to do a sales training. And I said to her, I was like, how long have you been in the, like living from a place where I just need to do the next sales training? She goes, since 1996, I go, you think maybe it's not another sales training that you need? Like, <laughs> yeah, She needs like a vacation without the phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. No, but that's so true. I think that we get caught up in this, like, there's like two different kinds of people. There's the people who don't ever think they need to grow ever. They've been eating mm-hmm. the same food, the same, they might, they, they literally might be wearing the same clothes that they've been for like 10 years. I'm glad it works for you, but this is who I am. And I'm really happy for you, but yeah. this is how I do my life. Yeah. I, I know. Or you're like, Hey, can we go to this restaurant? They're like, well, we've been going to this other place for 25 years. So let's just go there. Like, they we just, know it's good. Yeah. They won't go out of their box. And then there's the people who are like you and I who get like, okay, we're going to grow this. Okay. I need to improve this. And then there's a point where you have to stop and like, just appreciate yourself for where you're at and stop yeah. like, searching, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the, I mean, I know we've talked about landmark as well, like offline probably one of the biggest things I got from doing that 12 years ago was realizing there was nothing to fix. And like, there was nothing to grow from. Like it, it actually all, it completely altered the context for growth for me where it was like, Oh, as adding on or how, what's, how do you think of it? God, it's, it's really hard to explain, but like, it's kind of like, um, you know, so there's this whole distinction that they go into on the third day of the program. Um, so, so here's the problem, right? With anything that's experiential or ontological, explaining it makes no difference because it, it either will sound like common sense and it's like, well, I already agree, or I know that already. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's one thing to explain. It's another thing to distinguish it and like to discover something for yourself. So it's sort of like the, the disclaimer that what I'm about to say is not going to be like life-changing for anyone, what I'm about to say. Um, but when you discover it for yourself, it's like people like fucking cry and it's like, like it was one of the most intense experiences of my life. Um, but anyway, so it, it's kind of like you could say change is like, well, you know, there's something wrong. I need to fix it. Like, that, like our minds often go there like, oh, well, my sales are not where I want to be. So I need to work on my confidence or, you know, I need to work on my leadership abilities. Um, yeah. So here's a good example. Leadership would be a great example. Most programs they teach leadership is like, well, here's some things to practice to be a leader where, you know, the stuff that I teach or stuff that Landmark teaches would be, if you're committed to being a leader, it's getting everything out of the way. It's a deductive conversation. So there's nothing to learn. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to practice, which is why I think when people go through these programs, they go, well, how did you get these results so quickly? You don't even have to practice this. It's like, it's like I don't know. It's just kind of like breathing. It's like when your expression, when your natural self-expression is is what comes out of your mouth is your expression of being a leader. 
that's very, very different than I'm going to learn some techniques and tactics in order to be a leader. Um, you see this all the time, like someone who's shy, right? Where I'd say a lot of these like programs, like, you know, you'd go to, if you like, let's say you go to Tony Robbins, where I feel like he's sort of like the sort of mainstream of this, where it's like, you know, I'm going to pump myself up to a peak state and, and like, I'm going to get shy and I'm a wolf. And like, you know, there's all of that. And, and it obviously makes an impact. Otherwise he wouldn't still have business, but like with real transformational ontological work, you would have an inquiry with someone it would be actually often very low key. You wouldn't have to pump yourself up or anything. And something happens, like, a, like something shifts and you don't necessarily have to know what happened, but it's like your shyness disappears. And then what's left is your natural confidence without you having to try. And so that would be transformation versus change where change is I'm shy. So I'm going to try to fix it and grow and push my comfort zone and all that. Yeah. I see what you're saying. The difference is actually genuinely having a change, an actual transition internally versus like forcing it a bit by like doing the action saying the things and now granted i believe in both i'll tell you up front now there's, there's nothing wrong with either, either. it's just that I often people both. have both worlds collapsed yeah or i think too there's a big and i've been thinking about this a lot lately i think that there's a big like negative bubble around the word follower and a big mm -hmm. positive bubble around the word leader what sure. i've found to be true is that the more I'm in business, the more I meet some people where I'm like, you should not be leading anyone. <laughs> like you should be a follower because you, the way you are would be better for that role. Then there's people you meet where you're like, why are you a subordinate? You should be leading. You, you really, you know, so I do think that part of it's just being aware of what you actually fit better as. Like my mom is a great example. My mom is one of the strongest smartest sensitive women I know but she knows she's a good follower she doesn't like pretend to be a leader she mm -hmm. knows what she is she's like no that's not me like I'm not trying to like she's like I just want to you know do this but because she knows that she does it so well and she's so she's such a joy to be around because she's not trying to be something else mm -hmm. you know what I mean? and I think that a lot of people just like I don't know we all like think we're all leaders I just don't think that's like that's not that's not even realistic to think Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think speaking it from that way, I get what you're saying, but I would say the whole subordinate, right? Someone superior, someone like that's sort of an outdated conversation too. I like, personally think that being a subordinate is a good thing. I think that it's like, you ever see the movie um, with Ryan Reynolds and he's telling his daughter the stories of the girls he was with? No. Mm -mm. Okay, so I've heard the hell it's called. What's it called? It's such a cute movie. Uh -huh. Okay. There's a point he's, he's running the campaign for like, Bill Clinton or something like he's mm -hmm. one of the people and he's like new and they, he has to get the coffee. They call him toilet paper guy. Cause he has to reload the toilet paper. And his boss says to him at, at some point, son, everyone has to get coffee. Yeah. And I love that because it's true. I think that I don't know, looking back when I was a subordinate, I, I was happy to be there. I was learning. It was part of my growth process. Yeah. So I would say that has nothing to do with leadership or not leadership. Because that's that's more of a, that's more I think a management conversation of you know here's my here's my title and there's plenty of managers that are not leaders and there's you know you can be a janitor and be a leader of a company and the CEO is not a leader so there's a there's a different context to it it's kind of like if you ever there's you know a large company someone's will be a division and something very magical seems to be happening in that division and it just seems like when this one person's here there's something that impacts the environment and people are all more productive around them. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's the art of leadership. That's so 
that's another that's another thing that I think people have collapsed is leadership and management. And I would assert that the not even I would assert, I mean, I think it's the truth, and I don't like to say something of the truth, but in this case, I think it's the truth that the vast majority of leadership books on the shelves, like 99% of them are just management on steroids. They have nothing to do with leadership. And there's just a lot, there's just a lot of platitudes about it. Do you think you could be a really great, uh, a really great manager without being a great leader? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think that, yeah, I think you could manage something. Um, some people are real task oriented. So mm-hmm. I think technically speaking, you could be maybe, maybe not a great manager, but I think you could be a pretty good manager. Not- yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, I've, I've, if I'm, yeah, I'm just taking a look for myself. I've, I've never thought about it like that. You know, I, I've, I've had some, I had a sales job once where I had two managers. They were very good at their job and managing. I wouldn't say they were necessarily great leaders, but they were good managers. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's certainly, you, I, I don't know if you could be a great manager necessarily. I don't know. But I could see being a good manager, not not being a very good leader. Yeah. And then, you know how you were saying about before about like you could be like a janitor and be a great leader. It's kind of interesting because sometimes I do feel like some of the best leadership advice I've gotten from people who really weren't that powerful, per se. No, it's 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 it is powerful. It's just not 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 forceful, like right. You could say management is granted. Uh, by authority and and leadership is granted by permission yeah i like that yeah i like so, that yeah I, I mean no one's like oh now you're the leader you don't really no one no <laughs> one announces it and and also when you st- if 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 you lose the perm if you if you stop having the permission uh to lead from the people you're being led it's not like someone puts up a sign and says okay you're not the leader anymore yeah and i, I i've seen this before where i've worked with people like this where that's happened to them and then they resort to trying to use more force and management to get back to where they were and it's like uh uh-uh, uh that's not your access to that you can get back to where you were but your access isn't doing you know more sort of you know doubling down on what you're doing so i think so i've been i have a whole discussion around this this last week because yeah. I had some interns that we had to part ways because of i just felt like I had failed as a leader because I gave them too much leadway and was almost overvaluing them to the point where I think I let it get out of hand. Mm-hmm. And I think I did that in a response to my prior leadership, which was really forceful and it was effective, but I, I wanted to be a little bit softer, I think, in like I wanted to try something a little softer. And what I'm finding interesting is I've seen a couple of things when I look back and kind of just like analyze what I saw, what changed is that. I do feel like some people do better in a softer role as a leader. They're really good at like the nerd, but they still can gain respect through nurturing and caring. And they, that fits them really well. No, for sure. For sure. People who just can't, that just doesn't fit them as well. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like when I get to that place, I just get taken advantage of and, or people don't understand me. So they treat me in a way that I'm like, if you knew me, you would never do that. Like, you know, so I do think that I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly realizing as being a role in managerial and a leader, I have to really show up as myself in that role. I can't really make myself into a different kind of leader. Like I can't, yeah. 
Yeah, and so that was well, like, that because then that would be that would be a management style. It'd be a some kind of manipulation. Well, I'm gonna be like this with someone. Doesn't mean you have to tell everyone your whole life story, but I, I'd say my experience anyway. The the people who are most powerful at stepping into those roles is when they're literally coming from that authentic place and being themselves. Yeah, and I really feel like my authentic place is a little bit more crass and abrasive, but that's my authentic <laughs> leadership place. So Sarah, why you you crass really? <laughs> So I'm coming from this place that's trying to be so nice and gentle. Hold on. I have to say, so it's funny you say that because, so for those that don't know it, I'm sure none of you know, unless you know me and I've shared a story about Sarah. Um, we met at a coffee shop. Was it, how long ago? Is it maybe six, eight months ago? I, I don't know how. A year now. Year, really a year? Jesus. Yeah. So we were just, we were just, we met at a uh, Grand Cafe, which is like one of my favorite places in, in Philly. And uh, you were just like eating a salad and you had these like cool boots on they were like very intense they like intense like boots um <laughs> but they were awesome and i think i said something about your boots i was like i love your boots um but one of the first things i was present to being around you I was like wow this girl's intense like holy fuck like so the crassness like i picked up on it before a word came out of your mouth thank you yeah yeah, yeah. you're well that is a comp by the way it's a compliment yeah, no, I definitely took it like that. Yeah, I like I like people. It actually like makes me uncomfortable where like I'm around someone and I like am not present to what I'm present to. It's like, huh, I can't really like get their vibe. Like, there's yeah. there's like some weird shit in the way. Oh, like, oh, yeah. I hear that too. I'd rather know someone's like really nice or really mean or really something. I hate. I, I agree when you're like, what are you like? Or right? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But um, yeah, so, so, so anyway, I definitely want to return to my natural state of leadership, which honestly is so much more effective and so much more natural. So I, re I, I just hired two more people. So I'm going to go back to my old leadership ways cool. and just to kind of touch back on reminiscing, there was this one leader particular that stands out. He's a very big man, like very big guy. And he had a leadership style that was, I would say, borderlining on abusive. And looking back, I don't understand why he had so many followers, even though he had a lot of people who hated him. Yeah. He still had a fair amount of followers who like loved him. And I, I still just don't understand. He would bully girls into crying. He, Jesus. He white staff like threatening to like commit suicide. Yeah, I mean, that's not leadership in the way that I'm talking about it. No, I know, I know, I know, but that's his. I guess whatever, but my point is, I don't understand how some leaders do that and how that happens where they still have a devout following. I just don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, there's no rule to that, but I mean, it could just be that underneath all that bullshit and domination and and righteousness, there there could still be some sort of authentic expression. Like, here's what I'm about. You know, it's like even before right it's like if you're if you're that committed and you're a visionary or like you know you're you're sharing something that you really at your core really value and then there's all the the fucked up you know like bullshit i need to force my way into this there's going to be people i'll be like well he's an asshole but i'm really just i find myself really effective around them and i you know i have friends i have friends i have friends who like, cause I don't, I don't ever coach my friends or call people on stuff. Like I have some friends where it's like, holy shit, you need to put yourself into something. But like, I love being around them because that stuff I don't take personally. I don't even, I don't yeah. even like 
let, let them interact with me like that. So like, well, they can, but it's not going to go too far, but underneath it, they're, they're really committed to something. And there's certain people that aren't going to take it personally. Uh, and then there's also certain people that being, you know, uh, yelled at like that feeds into their identity. And then they get to be like, well, one day I can be like that. And, you know, that, there's a whole conversation around uh, that. I, so now that you're saying it, actually, in the way you just relate it, it reminded me that I actually have someone that I used to look up to that was abusive, but well, not abusive, but definitely not the right way leadership that I was he brought out the best in me because I worked the hardest when I was a kid I was like 15 but yeah. now looking back I didn't I didn't really look at him like oh I can't follow him I almost felt like he was going to make me better because it was driving me to work harder yeah uh, yeah for yeah. sure I could and totally see that. that yeah so so what do you what have you been up to like what have you been doing in your life um I right now I'm halfway done a training course for real estates for marketing for how to market their own um their their themselves how to market themselves online so it's called selling elite okay um, I am finished all the outlining content and I have to do the videos so I basically am doing it's like a, it's a sales training program online okay. yeah with modules and videos and stuff like that is it good, is it good or it's just bullshit um, no, I think it's great. I yeah. mean, yeah, I hope it's good. I spent <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff and a lot of garbage out there. And it's hard to tell the difference. Sometimes. I haven't finished it. So I'm not sure if it's garbage, I won't release it. But, um, I would say that I, I feel like oh, wait, this is something you're designing. Yeah. Oh, I, I heard it as you're taking a course. Oh, no, no. I'm making oh. Sorry, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you designing something that's absolute bullshit? Like, yeah, sorry. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, it's, no, I'm making it. It's called, oh, cool. I'm creating. Okay. And, um, I'm really excited about it. So my first sales training program I want to do, or my first online program. And I want white label, which my, was my company. I want to have half of my company's income being, or maybe more just from programs. And what do you, what is your company doing right now? I mean, what, do you, what is sort of like your so, day-to-day? Um, I'm, I feel like you're always doing something. I just can't I keep track of you. I'm a consulting firm. So we do everything from marketing, business coaching, strategies, process development. I've been doing a lot of process development. A lot of companies right now, um, since they've been home, are finding that their processes and systems are off because they're not like one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of process development. We do sales. Um, basically, I meet with a high-level individual or business owner. I evaluate what they need, and they let me know what they want. And then I give them a strategy on how to do it. And they either pay me to train them, or we do it together, or they have my company do it. Usually, we do like a blend of two. How would you get into that? Um, so it's kind of a long story, but, um, long story as short as possible. I, I, I started off in the career world in hair and makeup. I did celebrity hair and makeup. I had a company for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I ran 25 stylists. I decided I didn't want to do that at all. And being young and stupid, instead of like selling the company, I just quit. Like, as I was like 24, and I didn't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 24, 25. Then I decided to, I wanted to sell Mercedes, so I started selling them, sold them for three years, got recruited to be a financial advisor. While I was there, I got recruited to be a business director, and I never had done it. I didn't know anything about it. They just said, you're giving us good business advice, want to be our director. And I was like, sure. So I did it, and I had a real knack for it. I actually remember, Eric, being in the bathroom at, at the place, Googling what's business development, because I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> You know, in all my cards, yeah. it says business developer director. I didn't even know what it was. 
And um, I was really, I had a knack for it. I figured shit out, raised $2 million for them in two weeks for investment purposes. I hired a bunch. We did this whole thing. It was great. And then after that was all said and done, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then people started asking me to help them market their businesses. And that's how the company got started. And that was about three years ago. Oh, yeah. How's it been? It turned into a, a career and I love it. That's so, the best. That's the best. When, when well, you can Eric, do that. The coolest thing is, is that I used to write in my journal for four years. I wrote down every, almost every day. I'm so grateful for my consulting firm. And I had no way, I had no idea or how I was going to get there at all. I used to just write that down all the time. And yep. it's just weird. And I like forgot about it. I don't, I like rewrite my journal a couple months ago and was like, oh my gosh, I used to write this down all the time. And were you like visualizing it though? Like, was it more than just like some lofty dream? Was it like you were really clear this was going to happen? So I would say yes and no, honestly, because mm -hmm. I was visualizing it a little bit. Like I always knew I had my own company. I always visualized this one space in my head where you go up the elevator, the elevator's door open and there's a really big wall of ivy and there's a really pretty girl and she's my receptionist and behind it's one big open space and it's like open floor concept office with like a hundred people in it. Okay. So always in my mind. And we had like bicycles and cats, like office cats and sleeping pods. And it was really modern. Yeah. So that was always in my mind. And my office was way in the back, but I don't think I knew what office it was until obviously now, but I mean, that was always in my head. I always knew too, I'd have a company, but I just, I didn't know. I honestly thought to myself, this is a great dream, Sarah, but like, you don't have consulting experience. That's what I used to think. Yeah. I feel like a lot of consultants are dumbasses though. So if you're even like decently confident, you can be okay. Right. If I just listen to my client and work, it's like I win. Uh, yeah. Literally the, the bar is kind of low. No offense. <laughs> it's so true. And you know what? Not for nothing. You know, I just, I think that I'm grateful for that actually, because it makes me look really good. But at the same time, I would love to be someone who changes the consulting industry a little bit to where yeah. people expect you to actually give them something of value. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually just having a conversation with um, someone last night kind of about this where there's in the coaching world, you know, and I'm not talking about like life coaches, but people doing like ontological coaching. There's sometimes this fear that like, oh, well, I'm not going to know what to say. I'm going to, you know, get stumped or whatever. And like, you know, I even have that fear. Like every every program I'm about to do, I'm always like really fucking nervous. Like before I'm gonna do, I'm like, well, what someone's gonna like trick me? Like 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 whatever. Like all the just bullshit that I say to myself. And what it comes down to is like you're in a conversation with someone, and it's if if you have sort of the background and have that mastery in the material and the distinctions, someone could. I mean, it doesn't matter what someone says you're having an inquiry with, with someone. So there's, there's, it can never go bad ever. Right. And, and, and when, and sometimes you will share something and someone will discover something. I mean, you have to learn how to know how to give an inquiry. I mean, there's, there's a skill set to that, but if you have that skill set and someone discovers something, it's going to be like this profound fucking thing for people, you know, cause you know, I've seven, eight years of doing this. And then that person's the first time they're ever doing anything like that. Most of the time, you know, and I'd imagine with you, it's like, you know, often people just kind of run their business and they don't even think about their processes or, you know, all the stuff that you specialize in. And the fact that you even have some experience in it, something that you might share, well, what about this? Or have you taken a look at that? And they'll be like, no, I haven't taken a look at that. And it's just like, to them, it's like, 
Yeah. And to you, it's like, why the fuck would you have not ever looked at that? Like, yeah. so no, I, you hit the nail on the head. I think the reason why my company exists and is growing is because I think before it was something like this, for example, if you went to school, you knew what you knew, and then you had mentors and you read, you read books, right? But now the knowledge is out there. I just have to, it's a couple clicks away for me. So when, so when I was first getting into it, it was like, what do I need to know to make people more successful and run their businesses smoother and to market themselves better? What do I need to know? Make, them, make their business life happier. I was, I do about an hour and a half of just development on myself every morning for the last maybe four years. What do you, what do you do in the morning? So I'm, I'm an early riser. I wake up at like three 45, three 30. Jesus. I do okay. meditation. What time do you go to sleep? Around eight or nine. Okay. Man, so I would. Okay. Yeah. I go to 10 and have a nap, but I, I, sometimes I wake up later. Usually it's between three 30 and four 30 though. Okay. I read for about an hour. I'm always reading some different kinds of books. I read in paperback. I don't like Kindles and I, I mean, I'll do some audio book, but I really prefer paperback. I journal, I set my diet for the day, I set my workout plan for the day, I do my gratitudes, I do goal setting, I plan my day out. Um, then I usually meal prep in the morning as well for what I'm gonna eat. And then um, I stretch, work out, get ready, eat breakfast, and um, yeah, maybe talk to a couple of people and then get ready and start my work day around nine. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's that's good for you. That's that's really impressive. Thank you. So during that time in the morning, I started really learning. I'm like, oh my God, people have systems and processes who are very successful. Why do small businesses not have this? Then it was like, wait a minute, why is this person not doing sales and they're complaining they don't have any money and they have staff being paid, but no one's doing any sale reaches? So then it started kind of clicking for me. Okay, if you're paying someone and they're not doing anything because you're not busy, they should be doing sales reaches and then you'll be busy and you won't. So it was kind of like this easy to figure out puzzle over time. The hmm. hardest part is not figuring out what's wrong. The hardest part is inspiring the owner or the person in charge to change their habits, to change what happens. That's the hardest part. Hmm. Huh. Very cool. Give someone like, let's say I was like, yeah. you, Eric, this is how you make $2 million more a year. You could read it and say, okay, I agree. But you have to actually do it. So it's like it's like a whole, you know. Yeah. I mean, does it ever get to the point where like I don't know how I could do this? This seems very daunting. Um, I definitely had some hurdles where I was unsure, but I gotta admit, I think that's why I'm good at what I do because when I don't know, I go learn and figure it out. I call a million people, I'm asking questions. I don't know if there's ever been something I couldn't figure out except this one particular client. Hmm. I was getting him so many leads, especially for financial financial advisor. He wanted to build his team. I was probably supplying him with three to seven warm leads a week on people mm -hmm. who were interested in becoming an advisor for about four months. And he couldn't close one of them. And I was <laughs> doing sales work and I was doing confidence work and I was doing mindset work with him. And I don't till this day understand how that's possible. I just, that's the only person I've ever really been stumped with. I don't, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, some people just aren't cut out for certain things as well. I mean, that's true. There's some truth but to that. You accidentally close someone by accident. I know. I know. Yeah. I don't know. That huh. was my only stump. But besides that, no, I've, I mean, I've really been lucky. I once didn't raise $20 million, but I think that that's fair to say that that's not, I shouldn't be too hard on myself about that. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. How's your love life? 
It's really great. Um, I have a new boyfriend. Nice. This is the guy in New York. Yeah, he's um from New York. He's um he lives in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, a psychotherapist, so he does um a lot of you know emotional development, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, he's very different. Actually, no, you guys would really like each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys have like um certain conversational ways in common where you guys would have good talks. I feel like you know. Um, he's very sweet. He's very tattooed. He's like tattooed from his like neck to his feet. He's very tattooed. Are you, are you into that with guys? Like, do you like, are you like a thing? Is that a thing for you? It just kind of happens. I've dated one other person who was tattooed before, but before that, no, it's not, I'm not really like that. If you lined up every guy I dated, there's not a rhythm to it. It's not really, I do definitely. I mean, I kind of definitely go towards like lighter and tall, but not really. I mean, yeah. I do go for, I think, people who are kind of a little bit crazy. I think that's something in common. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't really, I just don't really feel, I think very vanilla people just tend to, for me, they just don't seem very interesting. Well, so I I have a whole thing about about this, if you want to hear my philosophy on vanilla-ness. Vanilla-ness to me is like, you're just culturally brainwashed. Like, Like, to me, it's like you have not done any like development. No, you don't think for yourself or there's just less of that. Cause you know, what's vanilla in our culture is different than what's vanilla in another culture. And to me, vanilla just means that you're completely culturally conditioned. Agreed. And the less culturally conditioned you are and the more you're just embracing and honoring self, the more crazy you or you know intense or whatever defense word people want to use on you because it's threatening it can be very threatening like i'm i i wouldn't sort of shock me and i say, say this is a compliment there's gonna be some people you meet in, in in sarah you will make them feel very uncomfortable and threatened just kind of by how you are yeah. um <clears throat> i mean for me all the time and <laughs> all the time it's like, but when I was younger, so the difference is when I was younger, I used to be really insecure about it. I'd be like, oh, well, I said the wrong thing or like, and that doesn't mean you just like, you know, fuck people over and like, just do whatever you want. I mean, you get what I'm saying, yeah. but like when you're just being yourself and have good intentions, some people are just going to take it the wrong way. And, 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 and especially in today's culture, everyone gets fucking offended by everything. Um, so like even if you don't talk, then they're gonna be offended that you're not talking. Like, like, but yeah. So that's that's my that's my theory is if you're vanilla, you probably just aren't very in tune with with yourself. So I agree with that a thousand percent, and that's why I don't really like vanilla people. I feel like it's like they have no personality. I feel like they're per- or if they do, it's very hidden and it's lost somewhere. Yeah, but 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 there's crazy crazy. Like you're like oh. psychological crazy. But most people I think are crazy aren't actually crazy. They're just themselves. I agree with that. I think that there's also a fine line between fun crazy and then like crazy crazy. You know, I think that's a fine line. I think it's hard sometimes to decipher in relationships in the beginning. I think that women <coughs> are, yeah. are, I think it's harder for women to hide when they're kind of crazy. I think men, it comes out later, which is what I've kind of noticed. Huh. Why um, do you think that is? I think because men, I I think that men as a whole just don't show all their cards up front. It's just not the way men's, they're not taught, men are not taught here, spill your emotions and everything you feel about everything. They're not taught that. Not saying that that's right. I don't think that's right, but they're not taught that. So I think men kind of 
they kind of present like their best foot, then they'll maybe a little bit more. I think men are a little bit more by nature, um, you know, patient about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think women tend to be more like, this is who I am and you accept me for me. You know, women are more like that. That's yeah. not a guy thing. I think part of that, I mean, I think, I, th I would say a lot of that, I think a socially conditioned too, where like, for instance, right? There's plenty of days or like I'll have some, you know, I'll feel really lonely or I'll feel like, you know, I'm not, and I'm like, I have friends, like, why am I fucking lonely? Like, you know, I'll have whatever feelings I have and I can, I can very just see like, okay, this is just my brain being crazy right now. It's not me. And where I, and I, and I feel actually not only that, but if I was to like go call a friend and like, you know, call on a friend and think I'm so lonely today, like, you know, whatever. They'd be like, um, okay, like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Like, so, like, there's less where I, I mean, I'm not gonna say this is all women, but like, I've seen plenty of women where, like, very smart and, and self aware, and they'll be like, I'm so sad today, just sad. And, and like, you comfort them, it's okay. And you see their girlfriends talk to them, and let's just go get her, and we'll do some drinks tonight and party, and we'll just forget about like, so I think when you have those feedback loops, Right, like I can get nervous to be like, I'm so sad today. But I but I wouldn't say I have a hard time expressing my emotions. I just have to be mindful of responsibly expressing my emotions. And and, and I think society at a society level, there's there's a real big difference between that the way that I would get treated versus the way a woman get would yeah, treated saying the exact same thing. As a wimp, if you were to run around saying how you felt all the time every time you you had a you would, you would you would get so annoyed by it I, yeah. I would get annoyed but yeah i'd be like what the fuck's wrong what the fuck like this is so i operate mentally much more like a guy in that sense because i've come from you know two very male driven industries you know um financial advising and the car industry yeah. so the way in my mind when women do that to me i'm even kind of like oh my god get a grip girl like go deal with yeah. that on your own you know but um women lots of, so i i you know there's a classic case of women who are like oh i have more guy friends but the reason why i have a lot of guy friends is because of the fact i feel more connected to the fact that they don't do that they don't call me crying my guy friends they don't yeah and my girlfriends, I don't always know what to do with them. And I feel badly because someone else will call me and they'll be like, oh my God, Sarah, like, you know, he's cheated on me seven times, but how do I fix it? And I'm like, oh my God, break up with Jesus, you. fuck. <laughs> yeah, but see, women will, will, most women will like nurture that and help them. And that's just not, so I think I have a harder time as I get older keeping girlfriends because I'm not there for those things. I, I just don't, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. But you don't, you don't, strike me as someone i mean if you did i probably wouldn't like you but like you also strike me as someone who's very feminine too right i feel like you have you're strong in both where I, like I so, right like some women it's like they almost disconnect from their natural femininity because they feel like well i just have to be this you know powerful strong independent woman and it's like well why are you single and hot like <laughs> yeah there's a reason <laughs> it is, if someone was crying and upset i still cuddled them and loved them as long as it was reasonable like so I, yeah yeah i i definitely do see what you're saying i'm a tomboy but i'm also very feminine in a lot of ways like i'm the same woman who like you know like if someone was you know i probably stop everything i was doing if i felt like someone needed me but in the same breath if someone was being a wimp about something i'd probably be like buck the hell up and get it together you know so i think yeah. it just depends 
Yeah, I feel like most of my women friends are kind of like you in that regard because I can relate a lot to it as well, right? I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't come in and be like, look at a mortal macho guy I am. I don't have any emotions. But, you know, I, I don't have any problem, like, being masculine. I just also have emotions and, like, it's a normal part of my fucking humanity. Well, you're also very in touch with them, which is very refreshing. So this is where I thought that I thought of how much you and my boyfriend actually have in common in that sense. My boyfriend's very in touch with his emotions to the point where I'm uncomfortable, but it's good for me. It's healthy for me yeah. because I need to be shaken up a little bit in it. Which and, is different. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted you. I know he'll like, so sometimes he'll like be like, I'll say something. And most men that are real masculine, you know, in society's point of view, I know what you mean. A, B and C where he will like be like, Oh, so I'm, I'm getting that you're feeling this way. And he'll like, mirror back to me what i'm saying and like trying he like does all these verbal practices i'm not used to and do you, do you like that or is it annoying um okay so i don't want to because i feel like it'd be weird if you felt like you were in a therapy room with him i think that it's very nice sometimes and sometimes it's like okay shut up <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like sometimes it's great and other times i'm like oh my god shut the fuck up you know but um i think most of the time i like it i like it because it's different and i do think there's a certain amount he has a lot of feminine qualities and i have a lot of masculine qualities but yeah. we look the opposite well, like we look the opposite you know yeah you yeah, know no, no, no for, for sure which is by the way different than like i feel like the the guy version of like the ball busting broad would be like the guy that just feels like well I, i'm so in touch with my feelings and like just like showering you with emotions all the time and it's like yeah. oh fucking christ's sake like it's, that's a whole other like animal that I've never had someone like that. I've had, well, of course not. Yeah. I've had someone who, who was very emotionally cut off to the point where it was like, it was almost like, pathetic. actually, I, I will say, I feel like if you were really uncomfortable with like someone's masculinity or like you had like all these defense mechanisms, I feel like you would attract a lot of guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like to a T if like a girl like you was dating a guy like that it's like wow what is she like defending or having to like what kind of walls are there that this is like the safe this like this is the safe option for her right no i've definitely done that before and i i looking back he was so like emotionally un like unverbal that it was actually kind of it was kind of like um jarring like to the point where like i'd be like well you like me right we've been dating a year like and Mm -hmm. he would just be like like he went really, it was, it was a very weird, um, that was probably one of the weirder relationships. He was really hot though. So that's probably. That helps, right? Yeah. Sure. How about you? Are you dating anyone? Not right now. No, no. No one good? No? Uh, I wouldn't be dating if they, if they sucked. That's true. But you never know. Yeah. You I know? mean, again, if they were hot enough, yeah, I'd <laughs> go on a few dates with them. There's like a weird Richter scale in the sense that it's like hotness, intelligence. No, there is. I'll t- here, this is my this is my Richter scale. <clears throat> like, obviously, I want you to be like attractive and take care of yourself, but then there's also right like there's. Did you, you ever actually have you ever seen the um the hot crazy matrix on YouTube the, the YouTube video I of that? I think oh I've my seen god, it. it's so <laughs> funny. It's hilarious. Uh, you got it. You got You got to watch it. I like. You got you got to watch it. Then there's this one part where it's like. The girl's like uber hot, but then like also like not oh, crazy. Yeah, no, I remember. The, okay, I remember it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like that's a tranny. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "This is where you want to be at," and he draws yeah. like the center. 
It's so fucked up, but so funny. <laughs> it's true, though. It's obviously- Well, that's why it's funny, because it's true. Yeah. Like, the funniest shit, you know, this is why I think comedians are so important in our society, especially today, because, like, I think the best way to fight against, like, the PC culture is comedians, because they're willing to say, like, the taboo truths that no yeah. one else wants to say, because now you get fucking canceled if you even, like, hinted something. Um you know, I, 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 like, I really hope, I really, really hope that one day I just get like smeared on Twitter with this show and like, oh, cancel this show. It's hard. Like, then I know this show is really successful. It's like, okay, if so I, cancel free, I had this talk the other day. If you, anyone listening, have not been yelled at, told that you're doing it wrong or criticized in some way of what you're doing, you're not doing enough of it. Because the reality of it is when you start to make it, people start to notice and there's hate they just you will get pushback yeah uh, yeah yeah and and it's like if you're not willing well i think that's why a lot of people don't keep like going further and further because there comes like you're 13 years old you do something go okay i'm not going there again yeah and then you live in your little fucking bubble let's say a housewife starts an interior decorating company and she's and she starts taking pictures and posting it online and she's promoting it right she's feeling she's making some more and she's growing and then all of a sudden she's making 20k a month and she's like oh i'm doing great all it will take for some people is one friend one acquaintance in her inbox to go who do you think you are that shit you what you do is bullshit you don't you never went to school you're full of shit that's all it takes for her to shut down sometimes yeah yeah it's like well yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna work out too well the um the matrix though kind of works like this for me where I like, so I I really, really like really feminine girls and, or feminine, really feminine women. I will be politically correct because I feel like that that there's like, there's something more honorable. Like, you know, a woman, because it's like, I don't want you to just be like immature. So like, I like a very feminine woman, you know, like, like Marilyn Monroe, feminine woman, right? Like, like the epitome, right? Audrey Hepburn, like a lot of these beautiful classic women. But then... I also want you to be into like personal growth and and be very intelligent and like I can co-create projects with you and all that, right? Which involves, you know, you have to have like that developed masculine energy. The problem is most women I meet who are very good in that, I feel like I'm in a fucking business meeting with you. It's like, I don't want to fuck you. I just want to like talk about a spreadsheet with you. Like that's not interesting to me. That's not romantic to me. I love romance. So to find someone who's strong like really strong in both i'm already working from a really small pool of people yeah and then i want you to be attractive which cuts down yeah. even more so it's like then you know like i'm already I'm, I'm, I'm already started i'm already starting really fucked and completely handicapped <laughs> and i have to like and I, and I just like came to accept it it's like okay this is my pool of people that's totally fine this is what i'm attracted to and that's it so well, I mean, I do agree, but at the same time, I do think the fact that you own it will make you attract it faster. I think that you, like the fact that you know what you're looking for, you'll, it, it'll be easier for you to recognize. It's very easy to recognize. I mean, oh, so then there's the other factor too, which is, so one of my biggest flaws, you could say, it's a, it's a strength and a weakness. It's like a great strength and a horrible weakness at the same time, which I feel like is a lot of these things where like, I am very, very good at like seeing the best in someone like, oh, you know, you'd really be great at this and kind of like listening to them as that. And they kind of fulfill into that. 
but it doesn't guarantee they fulfill into that. It just gives you like the best chance. Like, like, you know, a lot of great athletic coaches, right. They, they speak to the people they're coaching like, Hey, yeah, you can hit a home run. And it's like, Oh, okay. And when you start training to hit home runs, you can fucking do it. Right. So like the good, the good athletic coaches are really good at all really good at doing that. But the downside is you also have to like deal with the reality. So like if you are standing for someone or standing for something being possible and they keep not reaching into it, there's comes a time where it's like, okay, that's just not where you're at and you may never be there and you're not going to change. Like, so the biggest downfall for me is like, I can see that someone clearly is capable. Like I, I know to my bones, like they are clearly capable. It doesn't mean that they're there. So it's like, there have certainly been people where I was like, oh man. And then like, you know, I, I talked to them 10 years later and they're like how I saw them 10 years ago and they're married and whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. Like I knew that was in you. It just took 10 years for it to like develop. So yeah. having someone where not only can I see what's possible, but they're genuinely actually there in their life. It's not like a pipe dream that one day you'll be like that. Cause I don't want to be with a partner that I feel like isn't, you know, I hate to this sounds like a dick thing to say, but like at my level. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't think it's a dick thing to say. I think that it'd be different. I think if you weren't doing the work involved, but you do the work involved in self-growth and you do the work involved in your career. So yeah. you should, it makes sense. Cause like, okay, so let's say hypothetically you're with someone who's really gorgeous and cool, but she's not doing that work. She's waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning. She's not working out, but maybe she's naturally hot, but she's not working out and she's not reading. And, and when you guys talk, she has nothing to add. How would that even last? It wouldn't. Well, the 10 in the morning thing, I would, I would have no problem with because I get up at like 10 in the morning. So, <laughs> you know, you but know- I also go to bed at like two in the morning. So well, that's different, but you know what I'm saying? If someone was like, if they were like being lazy. I'm- yeah. Yeah. I know. I know exactly. There's a difference between, right. Having a great lifestyle. Right. And just being a lazy fuck. Exactly. There's also a huge difference between like, okay, so you go to bed at 2am, but we can pretend that to me still means that you're like a go-getter because you're going to bed at 2am. But what if you were going to bed at 10am? Hold on, Sarah, Sarah. I just want to say someone's just, I'm watching like Netflix. It's not like I'm not doing work all the time until the morning. Well, yeah, but also too, what if you were like going to bed at like 11 and waking up at 10? Like, you know what I'm saying? So there's a big difference. There would be an issue. Yeah. Like what, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, why are you sleeping for 12 hours at a time? And mind you, look, I'm by no means like perfect. I'm just saying, I think that would be kind of weird for someone like, like you, because you're very motivated and you yeah. see, like do a lot in your life. I don't know if I'm motivated. I just have like. I'm, I'm clear kind of like my, my missions about, I think motivations, I, I hate that word, honestly, it kind of makes you want to puke inside. Cause like motivating someone like, like motivational speakers, right. It's like, you know, one of the worst, like, you know, for a company hiring a motivational speaker is like the biggest drain of capital. Like you feel good for like a few hours and then you go back to the way it was like anyone that's doing something sustainably, it wasn't fucking motivation that, that took you there. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Ugh, I hate that word. So what, so, okay. So this is an interesting question. Cause I've been asking myself the difference because sometimes I'll work with someone and I really feel like I've changed their life. Like something mm-hmm. about our work together will like imprint on them and inspire them, but then they'll take action and then they'll learn the systems through me. Then they'll mm-hmm. do, and then they've changed for life because of working with me. And that's ideal. And I love that. Yeah. Then sometimes I meet people and it doesn't happen. So then I do, I reevaluate and I try and do it better suited for them. And then sometimes that works. And then sometimes it just doesn't work. And I'm like, is it just that they're not committed? Is there nothing I can do? Did I not figure out the right way? So 
I've been thinking a lot about the differences between inspiration, motivation, and actual change. <laughs> yeah, well, transformation. you could say, you know, in neuroscience, um, and the only reason I know about this is that my interest in ontological coaching, this is the source of action. So, uh, you know, what neuroscientists would say is that your behavioral set, like you, people have way less free will than they, than they would admit. Like I'm, and I, so I'm going to include myself when I'm going to say this, human beings are limited in their actions and their behaviors, actions, um, based off how reality occurs for them. So you can break that down in terms of, you know, your emotional state, your mental attitudes, or like, you know, your attitude about a situation or yourself, um, your body sensations and your thoughts. And if you look at your life, there's never been an action you've ever taken or done that was not correlated to that, um, to those four things. It's, it's, and, and, and the way that you know that is that you can look but even if you didn't look, it's biologically impossible. So when, and, and, and where you can really see this phenomenon, it's always easier to see this than other people. It's like you give someone really good advice and they kind of even maybe get it and there's no action and there's never any, it doesn't matter how hard you push, how much advice you share, how many resources you offer them. It's, and it's like, what the fuck's missing? Like, is there something I'm doing? You know, there's some, and, and it's, yes, there is something you're doing. What's inadequate that you're doing is you're not clear of how the situation occurs for them. It's, an, it's actually an ontological issue. So this is a harder conversation in the West because we're all about like goal setting. But when you can break down, oh, this is how the situation occurs for you. Got it. And you can actually work with someone in a way where the situation occurs for them differently. They start taking new actions. And that's the only way people start taking new actions in life. That pr I mean, that produces a breakthrough. Is that what you mean by the situation being different? Do you mean them their perspective? Um. Yeah. You could you could say that. Okay. That makes sense. So I see. So I see what you're saying. So unless you're changing their perspective, then really you're not changing anything because they need to change the way what, what they're seeing or where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily you changing their perspective. It's having an inquiry with them. So they discover something that they never saw before, which then impacts their perspective. Because if I just say, well, you, why don't you take a look at it, you know, in this way, maybe, maybe your boss isn't an asshole. That doesn't do anything because if, if their recurring world is their boss is an asshole, nothing you could say to do convince them is going to change that. Unless it, in, unless what you're saying is already correlated to how their boss occurs for them and then it will change it. So then it looks like, oh, the advice worked that time. But then the next time the advice doesn't work, I'm like, I don't know what changed. I don't know why it worked this time. I did the same thing. I used the same technique. It's because in one situation, their occurring world already allowed for that advice. The second time, the occurring world did not allow for the advice. And then you wonder why it failed. So when you get to the source of behavioral shifts, it's, you know, I would say as, as a coach, you become a lot more effective at working with people. What, what, so this is something, and I don't know what to call it, but something I've noticed that you might be able to identify. Maybe, I don't know. That happens with people in general uh -huh. that they get like obsessed with something, either being right or being wrong or being a certain way, mm -hmm. regardless of what, how extreme or, 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 or ludicrous it is. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to double down and like lose things on it. 
yep. because to prove themselves right or wrong. And so what, why do people do that? And more importantly, how do you get someone shaken out of that when they're doing something that's bad for themselves or their business or their mm-hmm. mindset? Because some people get so latched on to these ideas or these certain things. Yeah. Well, everyone does that. I mean, it's very human yeah. and yeah. everyone has that mechanism. You can see it in others. You can never see it in yourself. If you saw it in yourself, you wouldn't do it anymore. Oh, no, I so. know do it i know and i know when i'm being like that but i think it's only because i've been studying it the last year yeah but 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 knowing makes no difference so like knowing why so i was gonna say like knowing why you do something like you know i, I love in the landmark forum they always say well knowing 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 makes no difference like you know understanding is the booby prize is what Werner Erho would say like the, the 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 having someone stop doing that never comes from knowing more you can go read a lot of self-help books and know more about why you do that and the mechanism it doesn't change anything uh or it's, it's at least limited and what it does yeah, but you limited. could say that but you could say that human beings are, are fundamentally about being right and looking good so and it's a survival thing so you most people their behavior is literally driven by looking good or being right and 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 and, and they're stuck to that you know and, and, I, and i've literally have seen people including myself who spent you know 10 15 years taking actions based off looking good and being right thinking that i was following my path and being authentic and self-expressed so, you know, I, 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 that's, a, that's like a whole other conversation to unpack and you can't really, there's no answer. So it's like, if I was working with someone and they felt, and they got stuck and we had a cold conversation around that, like they could get unstuck. It could take a day. It could take an hour. It could take five minutes, but just explaining the mechanism doesn't really, you know, doesn't really. Yeah, make no, I haven't really found a way to. I don't know. I now, granted, I obviously don't control people's minds, but I would love to find a couple different tactics to kind of help people get out of their own way when they get stuck. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not going to be a tactic. That's that's the thing. It's like, you know, if good coaching, which so it's like I think even in our culture we have things like you know I call it like for my consulting business I say oh I do consulting even though I'm not really doing like I'm not doing consulting at all at, at all I don't do any consulting. But I can't say I'm like doing ontological coaching because like people don't know what that is and they get weird about it. So you just say you're a consultant. But people, I think, at least a lot of people have consulting and coaching collapsed. And and consulting is more like, let's examine your strategies. Let's, you know, let's look at your processes. Let's look at your systems. Uh, you know, how are we doing things? You know, let's, what's our data manuals? Like, you know, like all, let's look at our actions that we're taking. Like, a lot of that's in the consulting world and and that's great. It, it, it's obviously you can be a very good consultant um, where coaching, you're not giving advice to people or telling people how to think or what to do. So the really, really good coaches are not using technique. You know, it's like the really good boxers aren't using technique. Now there's like, you know, we know there's jabs and uppercuts and all that stuff. But once you sort of get fluent in that, you then let it all go. The really good boxers let it all go. They're not formulaic about anything. Uh, musicians know this, right? It's like if you want to play guitar and you want to be a really, really good soloist on the guitar, electric guitar, you first learn all these scales. And you learn scales that are like ridiculous. Like there's like the Egyptian, that sounds like the Egyptian scale, like all these weird scales you can learn. But then once you learn all the scales, you let it all go and then you can naturally improvise and you're not using a technique. It's not like, well, I did this technique and this is what worked because sure it worked in the moment, but that was more of an expression. So 
I see yeah. what you're saying. When I get to the point where I can master what this situation is, it won't be a technique or a tactic as much as I'll, it will be depending on the person and it will naturally flow from me because I'll be that good where I can meet with someone and know what yeah. they Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I it, it's very dangerous to start thinking from tactics because like, you know, I've had people, I've actually had people ask, you know, because I've done a lot of these podcast interviews and I did college radio. Um, I think I'm a pretty above average interviewer. And some people say, well, what, what, uh, what principles do you use to, to do interviews? Or like, oh, I see you doing that principle. And I'm like, maybe, sure. Like, so I'm sure that like in an interview or when you do things where you just feel in flow and you're very comfortable, you could probably derive principles from those behaviors. But the problem is, is like, you're not thinking necessarily from the principle. It's not like, it's, just, it's not like, Oh, yeah. I said your name, so therefore you like me more or something. Because then you people go, "Oh, well, Sarah, I don't know, Sarah. What about that, Sarah?" And then it's like, "Oh, what the fuck are you doing?" Like, yeah, people get so hung up on. I think that there's good to have systems, practice, and tactics, but then people get so hung up on them that they yeah. get like, like this, like if you do this, this will work. Now, now, granted, some things are obvious. Obviously, if you work harder, you most likely will be bad, doing better at work. Most likely, but that's not always a rule, and people treat things like rules like yeah we, we we have especially in business we have this whole mythology that it's like you have the input and then what's the output and a lot of people who are very linear in their thinking they're very reluctant and i think that's why coaching has taken longer to come into the business world than let's say the sports world right i mean if you're michael jordan you go well i don't need a coach because i'm already good you're like well fuck you you're off the team but there's lots of people in business that are already successful and go, well, I don't need a coach. I'm already doing, I'm already fine. And like that to me, like I, I get where it's coming from, but like if I ever, if that ever came out of my mouth, like I would be disgusted with myself. Cause it literally means like <laughs> I've hit the peak of the mountain. Like it's, it's so gross to me. I so like, you. like I'm a human being, I have blind spots and I'm always refining my game, always looking, taking shit to the next level. And you, you can say from a commitment to authenticity, I'm always looking to see where I'm being inauthentic, right? It's like, it's like doing authentic actions is not your access to authenticity. Looking for your inauthenticity is your access to inauthentic, you know, authenticity. Integrity is the same way, right? It's like integrity is really important to me, which means I have way more integrity issues than the average person. Because if you don't have integrity issues, it means you don't give a fuck about your integrity. But people go around and be like, well, I have great integrity. It's like, great. So you're not looking. I'm, I'm always out of integrity with shit. And I'm always restoring integrity. I see what you're saying. It's like the person who thinks they're the best at sales needs the most help with sales because they don't work on it. Maybe. I, I mean, they might already be good and they don't need a lot of help. But if they were like, oh, okay, what's missing from my game? What's, what's, oh, I'm shitty at listening. Oh, I'm manipulating here. Well, I'm, I have a- an agenda, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things you said there that came up for me when you were speaking was about, you know, uh, Michael Jordan and about the coach thing. And it's so true because every person I've ever met, the more successful and the more money and the more business they're doing always needed the coach and the development the most. Mm-hmm. They're always the ones that need the most of it. And Why do you think that is? Because they, they're already set in their, this is how we do things. Uh, we're good. And that like, we aren't wrong. They're kind of set in that, like, we okay, are yeah. right. We are, you know, um, a great example is this one company I did some work with. They're very successful. Um, they have a marketing team. And I started to kind of look into it. And I was like, hey, kind of making suggestions. And over time, I learned through the staff 
that the marketing team didn't allow any staff members to suggest anything about social media. And I was like, that's kind of fucking weird. Like no one's allowed to suggest anything. Like what the fuck's that, you know? So as I started to learn now, their social media presence is great, but they are losing so much social media help because everyone feels so disinvolved because the people are like, we're good, just like wall up, no help. So they can't help sell specials. Any kind of anything that they need to sell, they can't get help from their social media. Isn't that crazy? They can't get help. Even the owner is scared to ask the social media company for help. And yeah, and when I learned about it, I'm like, so they make money, but think about all the money they could make if their social media, which is like 100,000 people deep, was able to sell. Like, it's just very strange. So So as I keep going, I'm like, you know what? As I get higher up, the businesses that need the help, the, the, the mistakes they're making are costing them millions, not thousands. The big mistakes. So and, you can, and you can see that too. You know, I think that's the hardest. It's, I think that's the other thing too, is like, it's way harder to talk about like the unseen, like, you know, the, it's kind of like an economics. I feel like it's the equivalent of, um, you know, the broken window fallacy is. I've heard of it before. I think, yeah. so, I don't really remember. It, yeah. So it's like, it, it, it's kind of why it's hard to explain like economic, like political stuff to people who are like very humanitarian and they just want a government program for everything. So an example would be like, so it comes from if I took a rock and I threw it at my window and then someone now had to get hired to repair the window, that's an economic stimulus. So therefore it increases GDP. So someone who only saw that would say, oh, look, you stimulated the economy. Where really, I would say, no, you created destruction to the economy because that capital could have been used somewhere else more effectively. I destroyed capital to rebuild it, which is maybe that sh- capital should have been to, you know, start a business or to spend it on groceries. Like maybe that was more efficient use of capital. But it's hard to talk about what could have been. You know, could, people only want to deal, or I don't think all people, but again, we think linearly. So it's like, it's, it's much easier for most people to see what's right in front of them. Yeah, I totally agree. And then people have, you're right. Have you have a hard time thinking, what could this be? Right. Or what would this be? All they think of is like, okay, like I'm doing good or bad. And that's it. They have a hard time thinking outside mm-hmm. the box. And I got to admit, it's, it's very hard to break people's um, mental patterns around doing well when they're doing good, when, when they could be doing good and by, or, or Sorry, it's very hard to make people's mental patterns around doing great when they're doing good and how to <coughs> do better if they're doing bad. Like a lot of people who are stuck in a bad rut have yeah. a weird mental pattern where even when things go good, they can't even, it's just always bad for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say though, people who are at least not doing well, but want to do well, they're actually easier to take, like there's less resistance at the beginning to take on certain coaching because they already see there's a gap where like someone who's already doing well, you actually have to first get them into a space where they feel like their life kind of sucks before they can actually move forward. That's actually fair because the pain of not getting changing is worse than changing. Um, A lot of too, a lot of it has to do with like, um, I walked into a restaurant once and asked the owner point blank, if you know, um, she wanted to sit down with me because I would love to do some development and marketing for her restaurant. Mm-hmm. And the woman said back to me, no, we make tons of money here. Um, you know, we don't need any more sales. We're good. And then found out three months later, they had to borrow like 
two, like $20,000 for someone to pay the rent. Then they yeah. had their bankruptcy. And to me, the thing that irks me the most, not that I could have definitely saved them or anything. No, I get it. Me is that she didn't even hear, she didn't even just say, you know what, let me just hear what you have to say. For all her and I know, I could have given her the connection or the or the idea that saved her whole entire restaurant. I just think that it's so crazy that she was more, she was more into her salad she was eating and not getting help than just yeah. listening to me for 20 minutes. That's human beings for you in a nutshell right there. I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't believe that. I thought that was nuts. Yeah, it, it I, I, I can still not but like the amount of times I've had an experience like that, at least a thousand. At yeah, least a thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's every true. every single time my mind is blown. Like I, I never get used to it. <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, because you're like, why don't you just ask someone for help? Like Yeah. Well know. again, there's something about the way the situation occurs for them that if they do ask for help, it would only be within their box of awareness. It's look, it's why people do Tony Robbins, but not Landmark, because Tony Robbins, even though he has an inferior product, has a product that's in the box of the cultural awareness. I people exactly what you're saying. If it's not in their comfort zone already, they don't want to. So Tony, well, Robbins, no, 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 no. It's, it's not in their box of awareness. You can do something that's uncomfortable, but you still see it possible. Yeah. See, if I say, hey, you know, I want you to do this Tony Robbins thing. And I'm, and I'm not actually bashing Tony Robbins. I know it sounds like that. I, I actually love like, him. hold on. I actually have one of his books right, right here. So it's like, Oh, I just read unshakable. I love okay. It. He's a great author. It, he has a lot of great stuff, but he's not doing transformation. And, and, but what he's doing is sort of this combination of like motivation with neuro-linguistic programming. There's a bunch of stuff there, which is fine. It's just, that's what it is. And, but for someone who's like, oh, no, I would never do like a, an ontological program. A lot of them, they actually would do Tony Robbins and they don't go into it thinking it's going to be comfortable. Actually, I think most people go into a Tony Robbins thing thinking it's actually going to be uncomfortable. But the thing is, they can they can understand pumping yourself up and getting into a peak state. And, you know, it's it's more painful to 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 um, to, to, to have a loss than there is to you know, get pleasure. So like you can kind of understand some of those principles and you can read one of his books and it kind of makes sense where, you know, if I start talking about, well, actually your, your access to effective behavioral shifts is altered in the way that, that a situation occurs for you. All right. I'd just rather pump myself into a peak state. Like that sounds weird to someone that you're talking about the, the occurring world and how reality occurs. For you. It just sounds like bullshit to people that have no, even awareness like that. And, and so what I would say is true with most human beings, if something is outside their box of awareness, they come at it like it doesn't exist or it's just not in their, right. It's not in their, it's not in their realm. So what you were doing with that woman, even though you were saying all the shit and you saw the opportunity in her world, it was like what you're offering doesn't even exist in her world. So she can't hear it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways because even people with fitness are kind of like this. Like people like, like people are like this in a lot of different ways, I think, where it's almost like that's not even an option in their, because in their mindset, they don't even let it, it's not an option for that to happen. Yeah, well, here, here's where you can see in fitness. <clears throat> look at, look at parents with athletics, right? Yeah. So there's a, something I've looked at and I'm, I'm not sure this is the truth, but I think there's truthiness to it. So 
you often see a lot of um, professional sports families, right? Like, you know, it's like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and then, you know, Archer, uh, what was it? Archie Manning, you know, before. And you see a lot of these like multi-generational professional sports athletes. Now we all know statistically the odds of you becoming a pro athlete in anything is like close, as close to zero as it comes. Like for you to be in a professional major league baseball player is like nearly impossible, even if you're good at baseball. Yet the amount of generational athletes is like, there's there's way more of them than there should be. And and gen- so, yeah, sure, genetics does play a part in that, absolutely. But if, if it was genetics that was the culprit, you should actually see this way more, right? Because if you just had the genes for it, then, then you, hey, you have the basketball genes, go play basketball. Okay, sure. And, and it doesn't work like that. So my, what I've thought and my theory is that really good athlete, you know, athletic coaches and milieus and environments, there's a certain way that their coaching occurs for them. So I'll give you a personal example. I played little league baseball. I played um, little league hockey and was asked to be on the travel team where I said, no. Now hockey never occurred for me. Like I could be a professional goalie even though I had the hand-eye coordination for it. And my coach told me I did. And he was a professional um, hockey player Um, to the point where I'm like nine years old and I'm blocking some of his shots hitting, you know, at the hardest possible against me at the net. Like clearly I have potential, but I said no to the travel team because I was nervous. But what was behind that is I never saw myself as a professional hockey player. So I wasn't living into that. I was living into, well, maybe I can be really good on the travel team. So if you live in a milieu where it's like, hey, I know we're going, you know, you're not going to go play t-ball if, you, if, if you're in a baseball family, you're getting like a great pitching coach at like six years old. It's like, hey, do you want to play for the Yankees? Uh, okay, we need to work on this. And as, as, as a six-year-old, you're going to want to work on that because you have a certain vision for yourself already. Yeah. So it's kind of mixed in being in your wheelhouse or your box mixed in identity, like what you're identi- what you identify with, yeah. as well as also marketing came up for me when you were talking about Tony Robbins, because one of the things I always preach about marketing is sometimes you market just to become familiar. So mm-hmm. by the time someone's ready, they feel comfortable with your brand. Yeah. So like Landmark doesn't do marketing the way Tony Robbins does. No. And, and Tony Robbins does marketing in a way where everyone feels like they know the guy. You feel like if you, everyone feels like they know Tony Robbins, like you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So if someone's kind of dipping their toe into the water of growth, they're probably going to go to Tony Robbins first because they just feel like they know him. So they feel like totally. less intimidated. Yeah, for sure. So I think that there's a weird mixture of your, the box that you have, your wheelhouse your identity, what you identify yourself with, and then also the marketing behind what product or place or what you're going to do, who you feel comfortable with. hundred percent. Yeah. So, and, you know, and to give credit, I mean, I, I can tell you that, you know, I have tremendous respect for the, the, the staff and, and Harry Rosenberg who runs Landmark, but I know in, in one of the concerns there for them is they don't ever want it to become about a personality. So, you know, if it was Harry, writing a book and being on YouTube and people got comfortable with him, it could actually destroy, could destroy the work. Um, mm-hmm. Look, if, if something ever happens to Tony Robbins, that work's gone. It's not his coaches taking over. What landmark in my opinion should do is make it about the team. Should we make it about the landmark team 
and then they market the team. So it's not one person or one, it's a group of people and the team can switch with time. So that way it's not like one name. It's like a team. It's the landmark team or whatever you would call it. That's where they, I think landmark, it's a shame because I've never done it, but if it does what everyone I met who's done it, it really does what everyone says it does. Mm -hmm then why are they not marketing it that much? Because they would be able to help so many more people. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I think there's a, there's a lot of fear around around certain, especially what happened to Warner in the 70s. And, you know, I, I think they're still scared of that. Yeah. That's just... It's know, understandable, I, though, because once you start to become really big and market the hell, you're exposed. You have a lot yeah. of ability, so... Yeah, so I think a lot of that would come back and, and, and they might just don't want to... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for them, but... Um, <clears throat> you know, they, they, as I said to someone else the other day, it's like, they, they do their, they run their business the way they want to. And for, for their goals are, they're successful at it. So, you know, every are a big name. Yeah. I, I mean, there's still a, you know, multi, I don't know how big, how big it is. It's, it's and they're, they're still fairly big. I mean, they're in every, almost every continent now in the world and, you know, so yeah. it's not like they're small. <laughs> No, they're not. And, you know, I guess there is, there's always the pros of the way they chose to grow because the slow and steady, I mean, it, it, there is something to be said about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's always easier and not speaking for myself as well. Like it's always easier to see what someone else is doing be like, well, they should do it this way. They should do it that way. Like I'm sure if I had a hundred consultants, look at my investment firm, I'd have a million trillion opinions of what I should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And, you know, maybe some of them would, would work, some of them wouldn't, and maybe some of them are equal, but it's like, what am I committed to? What's the lifestyle I want to have? Like, maybe I don't want to be doing certain things, even though I'd make more money. Like, you know, so I, I, right. So there's a lot of these, it's, it's always easier to just be like, uh, you know, in the stands, like watching a game, be like, well, that fucking coach is an idiot and he should have called that play. It's like, well, he's a coach and you're not. So I want to be a millionaire without knowing what goes into it. So I, I totally, yeah. Agree. Right. It's like, it's like, you're uh, what's the word for it when you're, uh, when you, when you're just screaming like on the bleachers and, and you think that you have the answer for it. It's like the backseat drivers, you know, yeah. Oh, you should have been I'm like, well, I, you're not driving. I, I am. So yeah, like, exactly. don't fucking get me into an accident. And it's the funniest thing. You look at sports fans and they're like, that was a stupid play and blah, blah, blah. It's like, great. So then go and be, be a coach. Like, like go, go for the job. If you think that you're smarter than the coach for the Ro- the Boston Red Sox and then go try out for the job. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's one of the things I really tried to, I, I definitely changed when I was younger. I was very much like that. I just blurred out things. But over the past two years, I've really tried to not judge people like that. For example, let's say someone I don't know, like gets fired and loses their wife. I really try and not like think, oh, well, it's probably because of this and this. I really try and just think to myself like, okay, well, hopefully he gets back on his feet. Like, okay. I, well, I mean, so I don't do that. I mean, I certainly am judgmental as fuck and I, and I still I think all that stuff. Hard not yeah, I, I don't. So, I mean, I, I still think all that stuff. I just know that most of my opinions are worth shit. Yeah, I really have been doing better with it where I'm just like, you know, like they probably have other stuff going on, but I do think, or even like, let's say, let's say someone- We got we got to wrap it up in like five minutes, by the way, just- Okay, cool. If someone cheats on my friend, I used to just be like that whore, blah, blah, blah. I, I try not to do that now. I really try and just be like, okay, it just wasn't meant to be. I'm trying to yeah. come from a less judgmental place. 
Yeah. Well, you can still be judgmental and, and just not, well, you can still have judgments and not be judgmental about it. That's what That's I would say. That's true. I think it's hard for me though, just with what I do for work. I think it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to genuinely like my clients. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Do you want, I mean, do you want to work with clients that you don't like? So I don't, I don't, um, I have. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. There was only one. I did not like him. He just wasn't, he was very difficult. Yeah. Um, he's the kind of person I gave him sales and he was aggravated because it came the wrong way. It's one of those people. I handed him 37 event leads. Do you know how much money that is? No, but it sounds great. 37 event leads. And he was pissed because he said they came in too fast. And that, yeah, it was just like, oh my God, I don't know. He, he yelled at me about it. Getting back to it, I, I do. You know, what it, you know what it reminds me of? It's like, there's always been people that are like not satisfied, right? Like I've certainly met people that are like, well, um, or, you know, I, I saw here, here's uh, the more threatening. So here's the general rule of thumb. I think the more, like the more outside the box something is for you, the more threatened you are by something, the more you're going to do that. You agree? Do you think, do you see that? Wait, hold on. Say it again. The more like the, the more box- something outside the box is, or it's like you gave this person like thirty-seven event leads. There was probably something like in that person's space of like it's not possible, or like it's just oh, like not. And it and it, and it, it, it upset him. It, like, right. It, so it's like it's actually it's like threatening because it's like there's something in, new in the reality that's not fitting your model for reality. So you have to reject it. Look, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. I'll, well I'll, I'll use landmark as the example because we were just talking about it, and then like, and that's one of those things where like for the average person it's outside of their box. So they're already going to feel like either completely apathetic around it or threatened by it. It's usually one of the two. And then it'll, but then, and then they'll be like, well, it sounds great, but I don't like the way that this person said this. It's like, then fucking ignore it. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't like, believe it or not, there's not like, I didn't like everything about my forum leader. I thought, you know, like, and I don't like every single thing about every single event. Yeah. It's, it's yeah it's like i don't like everything about you sarah doesn't mean yeah. i don't want to like talk to you anymore and <laughs> you're not gonna like everything about me but like that's that's the point is like yeah. if if you were like not in my box of awareness right like if i was like very threatened by you then i could probably find something i don't like and be like well i can't talk to her because of blah 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 yeah and, and then i'd have like a justification right and i get to be right i have my point of view about it and look for evidence to be right about it so people do that shit with like I mean, to me, that's like a telltale sign. I shouldn't be working with you if you're going to do that around me. I think that the people who do that a, a lot, it's a shame because I don't know if they'll ever even notice how much they missed out on because they, they chose to be like Yeah, that's really sad thinking about it like that. Yeah, think about all the opportunities in dating, <coughs> know. money, success know. that they missed out on. Yeah. Anyway. Well, on, that's, on that um, morbid note, um, <laughs> I... Before we go, if if someone give me your give me your you know I would I would love for someone if someone was listening and thought they could actually use you for business, if if you what's what's kind of the spiel or like the thing like how do you market yourself like what do you say to people that they're like oh I really want to use you I mean because there's a lot of consultants out there so like why do people use you do you think why people use me um, it's definitely because of no matter what your goals are in business or in your career, we'll sit down and strategize how to take you to your goals together. And it's very efficient. It's, there's no magic dust about it. It's hard work, roll up your sleeves. 
it's very old fashioned work. I mean, obviously it's all virtual. It's all social media driven, a lot of yeah. it, but it's not frou-frou. And I think the reason why it's easy to work with me is because the things I'm handing people, like this is what we're doing. It's very relatable. It's all things that they're familiar with. It's nothing that's anyone could do the things that I, I do with my clients. Anyone can do them. It's just yeah. about doing them. And then I would say the other part is um, the way my, the, the way I treat my clients. It's, I am not, I do not let things slide when I hold them accountable. And I am as much of a coach in the very like, you know, strict kind of way as I am nurturing and caring, but I am very like, yeah. this is what we're doing. And if you're not, you know, and I'm on your ass about it. And I think that people really appreciate me showing up for them, not just trying to yes them to death, really being there and like giving them honest feedback. Yeah. You're a cool fucking human. Um, Thank you. Yeah. No, Thanks. Um, what's, what's your website? Just plug your website. It's uh, www.whitelabelphilly.com. Um, can, if people have like certain questions, like if they don't know they're fit, can they like reach out to you and be like, Hey, I have this thing. Can you just like talk to me about it and see if it, so, um, anyone who views this show at all can um, text me or call me for a free consultation on your company or business. It's usually about an hour to hour and a half. Um, my cell phone number is two, six, seven, five, eight, two, zero, three, three, four. And, um, yeah, that goes on forever. Always. Now, if they spam you with like Viagra ads, do you block them? Yeah, I mean, I do. Okay, but okay cool. If they feel the need to do that, that's... That, you then know, then just text, text that to me. The then. I appreciate the hustle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, hey, it was good good, good chatting and catching up. Um, yeah. And good luck with your uh, that sales training you're building. It sounds cool. Thank you. I'm really excited. And if it's garbage, then you won't release it. If it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll, I'll talk <laughs> to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. See ya, bye.